Hello, this is Scotty Reed with a Black Talk Radio News report and commentary. Please continue to support the production of truly independent media with a tax-deductible donation to the Black Talk Media Project. You can visit blacktalkradionetwork.com for more information. And before I get into the podcast, I want to just thank those in the last last 48 hours who have given donations tax deductible to the Black Talk Media Project. In the past 48 hours, we gotten donations totaling uh, $333. We're still thousands of dollars away from our $20,000 a year uh, budget goal that we've set back in January. So, but I just want to thank those who, who give who as as one of our old hosts used to say who's no longer with us used to say if you're going to eat the fruit you got to feed the roots so i just want to thank those who fed the roots in the last 48 hours to the tune of 333 dollars okay so this podcast i'm i'm calling it the speculation of the imagination because that word has been stuck in my head. Imagination as well as speculation. The imagination comes from a conversation I've been attempting to have with prison abolitionists, not prison slavery abolitionists, AKA slavery abolitionists because slavery is practiced through the prisons, but no, just simply those that want to get rid of prisons and jails. And so they was talking about imagining what accountability looks like without punishment. Well, punishment is a form of accountability. And I did a prior podcast on those prison abolitionists that said Amber Geiger should not go to prison for murdering uh, Botham Jean. So that word imagination has been in my head because I've been seeing a lot from prison abolitionists talking about imagining Uh, an alternative system of accountability that doesn't involve incarceration. And I will do another video about that, but I just want to explain. And then when it comes to the Joshua Brown murder case, there's been a lot of speculation since we first heard last Friday night of his murder. And speculation isn't necessarily a bad thing absent facts. When there are no facts being provided to you, no details of an event, then it's only natural that you will speculate on what might have happened or what has occurred. But the Dallas police, who I also did a a podcast on, uh, calling them out for covering up the corruption and the racism in their department, where they have 104 documented racist officers who have made posts to social media um, with violent and racist themes, prejudicial to justice. So I've done my podcast on the Dallas Police Department, and I'm sure I'll probably uh, take aim at them some more. But a lot of people in the media is not talking about that cover up of why is it that you got 104 officers documented uh, making racist and violent posts, but only 24 of them is under investigation, and then only four of them are on administrative leave, which is paid vacation. That sounds like a cover up to me. 
So I just wanted to give those disclaimers for those because as I have been trying to sort facts from fiction, uh, try to ascertain what happened instead of just relying on speculation, because I, I have engaged in speculation um, off of other evidence that I was coming up with or, or that was being shared in relation to Joshua Brown, again, who was murdered last Friday night. Now, more information has come out from the Dallas Police Department. People simply want to dismiss it because of the Amber Geiger case, because possibly because of all the races that they're harboring. Okay. And I do agree with the calls that um, a different independent organization, I don't know if it should be law enforcement, where it would have to be law enforcement, should be involved in this investigation of Joshua Brown's murder. But who they going to call? They going to bring in the same Texas Rangers that sought to clear Amber Geiger or any wrongdoing. So who who's going to come in, in in Texas? Is the Justice Department going to come in and investigate a murder case? I don't I don't think that that's going to happen, but I do agree with the cause that it needs to be an independent investigation, but I mean, we see we can't trust the Texas uh, Rangers because they tried to clear Amber Geiger of doing anything wrong, although she went up in another man's house and murdered him, murdered him in cold blood. And we're glad that the jury um, saw the facts of the case and rendered a guilty verdict. But when it comes to this speculation concerning Joshua Brown, uh, Joshua Brown a lot of people are still in their imagination and don't want to recognize any of the facts. Okay, now. The latest news is that we have a second arrest made in the murder of Mr. Joshua Brown. And it gives the names of the three individuals who are suspects in the case, which is Jacurius Mitchell, 20 years old, Michael Mitchell, 32, possibly related, and Thaddeus Green, 22, and saying that they traveled from Alexandria, Louisiana to to purchase some weed. Uh, they didn't say if it was weed or if it was crack. From what I've seen, only thing that it appears that Joshua Brown was um, trading in was cannabis, weed, and we know weed isn't legal in Texas and it's not legal in Louisiana either. But that's the latest, and there are people who are still speculating in their imagination. And then there are those like mainstream media journalists. So let, let me say this. You just an average individual in the United States, just a spectator who's seeing these stories. I'm not really calling you to the carpet. Although, you know, when you're presented with evidence that's counted or facts that's counter to what you want to believe, and you still don't accept it, then, you know, you're not engaging in what we call critical thinking. You're not accepting facts, but, you know, what you are, are steeped in is your biases, okay? And we all have biases. But I, take, I took it upon myself to create a platform, a news platform, 
as well as, you know, we got programs that discuss social issues, and we have a new program that's about music, okay? Um, music, uh, what would you call that? Music critics and stuff, sharing old-time music and what have you, and, and commenting on that. But Black Talk Radio Network established the Black Talk Radio, excuse me, Black Talk Media Project established the Black Talk Radio Network because I saw a need for black political talk because we were losing all of our talk radio stations and also because even outside of radio we only have a few platforms that target us with news and then the majority of those aren't even owned by people who look like us like for example the rot oh you might know it as the root um, but it's owned by Univision. It's not owned by black people. They just employ black people. And um, from what I can tell, um, these people that they have employed are not taking their jobs serious whatsoever. Okay? So, not only is there one person who has been arrested who was arrested yesterday in the murder of Joshua Brown, but now news report is that they have arrested a second person who allegedly was shot by Joshua Brown in a scuffle that, uh, that ensued over this street uh, pharmaceutical transaction. And that's where they arrested that person. You know the hospital's supposed to report all gunshot wounds. So that's how they took the second person in custody. The third person, they are still uh, attempting to apprehend. But regardless of these, regardless of, of these arrests, you got people over there at the rot. And I know it's probably Michael Harriet who wrote this. I'm a longtime critic of his because he writes like he's writing a skit for Saturday Night Live, like he's writing for the Chappelle show, and he is not writing, uh, providing us with serious commentary. And as you can tell from this headline, and so he might not even wrote the headline. Maybe the editors wrote the headline, and they're not taking it serious, and they're not really professional. Here you have The Rot publishing an article titled, Nobody is Buying Dallas PD's BS Story About Joshua. That's a headline from a, a mainstream news outlet. Doesn't seem to be very serious, does it? Doesn't seem to be very, very professional, but you got to realize they are targeting a certain type of people in our community who don't necessarily watch news or don't necessarily engage in politics and subscribe to political programming and what have you. So this is the way they figure they can get them engaged by talking to them with street jargon and metaphors and, and things of that nature, just street talk, okay? So, um, they're not being very serious about this, and so what are, they, what are they saying that it's BS? What's BS about three people murdering Joshua Brown after an argument about a street pharmaceutical transaction? Well, here's a couple of other mainstream media people and again my issue isn't with with the regular person it's with those who call themselves journalists even though they may not have journalist degrees but they are featured by the mainstream media as people we're supposed to trust to give us 
the correct information. Don't even get me started about mainstream media and some of the actors in, in mainstream media. But here you got the guy named Tore. I don't know if that's his his mama just gave him one name. I, I don't know. Um, you know, even Prince had three three names, you know, it was Prince Roger Nelson. So I don't know what Tore's government name is or, or anything like that, but he's been going by this for with this moniker for a very long time. He says no one drives four hours to score weed because in America, marijuana is as prevalent as Coca-Cola or milk. You can get it almost anywhere. Also, Joshua Brown wasn't a drug dealer, so there's that. So let me say this. I do not look down on unlicensed street pharmacists. Drug dealer has a bad connotation to it. And if you sell crack and, and meth and all that stuff that's really harming people, then I ain't got a I ain't got a problem with them calling you a drug dealer. But if you're selling cannabis, which is also can be used as food, is a medicine known to treat many different ailments, then I'm just gonna call you an unlicensed street pharmacist. I'm not going to dog you out or 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 throw dirt on your name because you was providing a service to people who some people needed to survive, to treat the pain that they're in, to treat their glaucoma, to treat their cancer. So, I mean, there's many medicinal uses for it. So their, their word usage here is pretty interesting. And so I, I wonder, Ray, do you know Joshua Brown personally to know what he was involved in in his life? Do Can you make that call? Okay, can you make that call? I mean, there are things that I have done that my family didn't know about, okay? And there's many, many, I'm sure I don't know everything my children do. And that's just the truth about it. So for you to never have or have even met Joshua Brown, to comment on what he was or what he wasn't or what he was doing or what he was not doing, you, you can't make that call. You can't make that determination. So again, you're supposed to be a news provider, but what you're providing is the speculation of imagination. You can't imagine it. You're in your mind. You can't imagine that somebody would drive four hours to make a, 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 a large weed per purchase, which is a pound or more. I consider that to be a lot. Okay. And also you don't, you just can't go on any corner anywhere. I don't care if you in Dallas, Houston, Charlotte, North Carolina, Detroit, Michigan, you just not going to walk up to some dudes on the street corner and say, hey man, let me get a pound of weed. Dude, This they weren't talking dime bags here, okay? They were talking pounds. And so if you ain't never been about that life, if you ain't never, if you don't have any family members that's about that life, then where are you coming from? Where are you speaking from? Because I don't know. You can't be speaking from experience. So the next one would be, let me pull up the next mainstream media personality who I have personally observed and to array as well, putting out disinformation and trafficking and conspiracies that I know had no basis in truth. But there you got Zelina Maxwell, 
who sat up there and shook her head yes as I don't know the woman's name but some white man or some white woman said Bernie Sanders hates women and if you support Bernie Sanders you must hate women too and then Zerlina Maxwell just sitting there in agreement with it so this is what she had to say I'm actually offended by how patently ridiculous this Dallas PD story is if Joshua Brown was a drug dealer and again I prefer the word unlicensed street pharmacist we would have known already because it would have come up during cross-examination. Also, Louisiana has plenty of weed. Zero people are driving four hours for weed. So again, I say to you, how do you know that Amber Geiger's defense knew anything about his unlicensed uh, uh, pharmacy? How do you know that the, that the defense knew about it? How do you know the prosecution knew about it? He had uh, apparently stayed under the radar. Okay, there are plenty of people who do things and never get caught, never get arrested. Okay, so, so you know, that makes no sense there. That's not rooted in logic. And again, are you a drug, are you a street pharmacist? Zerlina Maxwell, you got any street pharmacists in your, in your family? Did you consult anybody? You know, did y'all bring a, 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 a street pharmacist on CNN or MSNBC? and just blur out their face and distort their voice to tell you anything about the the uh, street market. Okay, so so why, why are you saying only zero people are driving four hours for weed? You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And you're trafficking in confusion. You're trafficking in confusion. You're not helping to bring us any closer to the truth of what really happened, okay? So, I have ex uh, people in my family who used to move major weight that went to prison for it. I had a cousin who had become a millionaire and my little brother asked him, look man, you ain't made all this money, don't you think it's time to quit selling this stuff? What, why, why do you keep doing this? Ain't you got enough money? And my cousin said, I'm addicted to the lifestyle. So I got people in my family that has been about that life. He's not now, but he was about that life, okay? I've also interviewed people. Um, let me pull up New Jersey weed man. Also, uh, his name is Ed Fortune. I interviewed this man concerning um, his criminal cases for, for cannabis trafficking in the state of New Jersey okay and he had some pretty good outcomes to that case but without getting into the details of that case how Mr. Fortion came to find himself in criminal court Mr. Fortion used to run a, a, a cannabis business in California also had a temple he's Rastafarian had a temple Okay, a Rastafarian temple, we know that cannabis is, well, not we know, but some of us know uh, cannabis is a sacrament to Rastafarians. It's part of their religion, okay, their religious practices. And so he was using it for that reason, and plus he had bone cancer. He's still alive, so he has bone cancer. I don't know if he's been cured of it. And it was helping him manage the pain. Now, he used to live in California. 
He moved back to his hometown of New Jersey. But all of his weight connections in terms of, of, of cannabis was back in California. So Mr. Fortune drove from New Jersey when he was running low, low on cannabis and went back to his contacts in California. That's what? That's over 3,000 miles. Maybe that's the only people he felt comfortable dealing with. Maybe he didn't want to go out there in New Jersey and try to find anybody that was dealing weight. Maybe he wanted to deal with people he already was dealing with. Maybe he was getting a better price per pound that made it worth the trip. But Mr. Ed Fortune said during my interview how he used to go, how he went to California, picked up a trunk full of, of weed, and then got pulled over in New Jersey by a cop and they found the weed and that's how he found himself uh, facing charges in the criminal justice system. So that's that's evidence right there. Ed Fortune is a, a very wide, wide known case. Not, I'm not going to say it's wide known to everybody, but he was in the news during his, his time. He also ran for president one time. So it's not like he's some unknown person. He's known by many. You could have Googled this. You could you could have actually consulted someone who might know something about that life before you went on Twitter and social media and pushing what you're pushing, which has no basis in fact. We already know we can't trust the police. We already know that. But here's the thing, though. Can we trust you to tell us the truth? See, if we're going to be credible journalists, if we're going to want people to turn to us for news, then that means that we should be professional, we should be ethical, we should be objective, and we should try to ascertain the facts. We may not always get it right the first time during that speculation phase, but as the facts become clearer, then we need to share that with our audience. Are you going to retract that? Is Toure going to retract that? Now, to further give you some information from a, a first-hand knowledge from someone, and I blurred out their name here because they're sharing some personal information, and even though they may put it on the public profile, I just don't want to share their name. So here's a person who's a reader of mine who posted this message to me. Truth be told, Low-level drug dealers from Louisiana will drive to Texas for small amounts of dope, as in four pounds. I'm from Texas. Mother is from Louisiana and a former drug dealer. Louisiana is very rural, but has a high demand for drugs just like any major city. Due to the ruralness of Louisiana, I personally know dudes that have driven to Houston for such a small amount of drugs as a few pounds of weed, an ounce or two of crack, etc., etc., because they can sell it for three times or more in Louisiana. So that, so that's the facts. That that's the facts right there. Why, why are, are and then now I'm gonna talk to regular people. We have to stop being parrots of talking points without using our brains to critically think. 
And many of us, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your ethnicity is, many of us have these people who engage in that life in our families or in our communities that we could call up and we could ask them. You know, we call up and ask them. This notion that weed is, is prevalent like Coca-Cola or milk is a lie. They don't sell pounds on the street corner. Okay? They they don't. Most most street dealers at the most they will buy a quarter of a pound. They'll buy a quarter of a pound from somebody who has some pounds. But if they trying to be in the game big time where they move in pounds, okay? Then you may have to travel out of state if you don't have those local connections, which is hard to make those local connections because it's illegal. And nobody's just going to trust somebody or sell to somebody that they don't know. Okay? So, now, I want to deal with another, some other speculation that has turned out to be false. Now, at first, I did report that Joshua Brown reportedly was shot in the mouth. Everybody was saying that. I reported it because that was the only information available. I said I heard or it's being reported, but it wasn't really coming from a news source. And, and so I'm guilty of just listening to somebody on social media and not trying to find a news source. So that's bad on me. That's bad on me. But he wasn't shot in the mouth, as people wanted to say. That's how the police send the signal. To, to, to send a signal about snitching. No, the police don't. I don't know about that. I know the mob do. I know street criminals do. I know Snoop Doggy Dog can tell you something about how they deal with snitches, quote unquote snitches, and what have you. So that was incorrect. He was shot twice in the torso in a struggle where it's reported he shot one of the, one of the uh, three young men and then uh, got shot himself by by one of them. So that, that's what's being reported. Now, this other thing, though, they're saying, people are asking a question, and it's good to ask questions, so here, here's your answer. People are saying, why would a quote-unquote drug dealer, again, I, I prefer the term street pharmacist, unlicensed street pharmacist, but why would a drug dealer agree to testify and they know they sell drugs. That don't make sense. If the people don't know, <laughs> why would they know? How would they know that he sold, that he was an unlicensed street pharmacist? They didn't investigate his life like that. They didn't put a 24-hour tail on him. They don't do witnesses like that. Okay? They only do that in, in cases of high-level crime, when you're talking like the mob, and then they'll take you into protective custody and what have you. But they, the question was, well, why would a street dealer testify in a murder trial? Why would he want to do that? Well, you know, we all were saying he was a hero because a lot of people in the community are cowards. They witness murders, they know who committed murders, and they say nothing no matter who they murder. It could be a 12-year-old girl sitting at her computer trying to do her homework or plan, plan a birthday party, as we talked about on a previous podcast, and some dude on the street in an argument 
just starts shooting his gun and then just shoots an innocent person. I wouldn't even call him a bystander because she was in her house when she got shot. And we know that a lot of these murders go unsolved because we got people like Snoop Doggy Dog and these other uh, gangster rappers that's feeding poison uh, to the minds of our young people have promoted that for a very long time. No snitching. Snitches get stitches. And they talking about when the coroner cuts you open. Okay, to do the autopsy. That's what they talking about. This is why. So we was heralding him, him as brave and, you know, for coming forth and speaking up. He didn't want to, though. Now, don't take my word for it. Take the word of the Brown family attorney, S. Lee Merritt Esquire, who's also the Jean family attorney. He says in this post, on October the 8th, just yesterday, the state knew Joshua Brown didn't want to testify due to concerns for his safety. He flew to California when the trial began. They threatened him with jail if he didn't return. He went straight from the airport to the court. Dallas County has a duty to protect him. They failed. Well, Mr. Merritt, I don't know of any witnesses that after they testify that they need protection. Who did he need protection from? The, the, he already testified. He was an ear witness. He was an ear witness. He heard, he, well, let me back up. He testified that he did not hear Amber Geiger give any police commands to Botham John before she shot him when he was coming in, up in the hallway and he heard heard them exchanging words and he said it was kind of muffled and he couldn't really make out what they were saying but he did not hear anyone giving any clear commands like put your hands up don't move, freeze whatever, let me see your hands that's what he testified to then he said you know, after it was the deed was done he went into his apartment and he was looking through the peephole. And he, and he testified he used to hear Botham John singing in his apartment and that the uh, rental property people came up about a noise complaint, knocked on both their doors, and that's when he... That, that ain't nothing, really. I mean, it was key testimony, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything that somebody would kill him for testifying to after the fact. I mean, if you want to say Amber Geiger's lover, um, the other uh, uh, Dallas police officer did it, then, you know, that's that's kind of logical. But, you know, to Mr. Merritt, that's just not normal for them, for somebody to testify and then give them protection after they testify. I wish Mr. Brown had went back to California right after. Now, here is some other information. Here's some other information, because again, they said that he wasn't about that life, and this is not to diminish his value. He's very valuable. Just because you a street pharmacist don't make your life no less, no less valuable than anyone else's. So, but I hope I just addressed the, the notion that why would a street pharmacist testify if they was a street pharmacist. Well, he didn't want to testify. They threatened him with jail if he didn't testify. And his testimony was the key, I say the key testimony to why 
Lambert Geiger was convicted. That about not hearing any commands, that was very key. Now, Joshua Brown also threw Lee Merritt, so this is secondhand information coming from the attorney, feared not just being killed by cops, by other people in the community. Now, it makes sense why he expressed that fear, okay? Because it, it depends on where you live. Ain't nobody just going to shoot you for walking down the street. Now, if you live in a violent area where there's a lot of shooting from week to week, day to day, or what, what have you, there's a chance you could become an innocent bystander. But why would he fear community not from the police? I, smile, I submit to you because he was about that life. Joshua Brown, this is from Lee Merritt. He posted this, I believe, not on the 8th, but on the 7th. Joshua Brown, the next-door neighbor of Botham John, was killed last night after being shot several times by an unknown assailant. He was shot twice in the abdomen. Local media has reported on the shooting but have not confirmed Brown's identity because Brown worked closely with prosecutors just a week ago to ensure Amber Geiger was properly convicted in the murder trial. The DA's office has fairly direct contact with Brown and his family, and ADA has confirmed that it was, in fact, Brown who was killed, although they have yet to identify a suspect or motive for the shooting. The case is now in the hands of Dallas Police Department. Brown's testimony stood out as a, a fat witness who was approaching his apartment directly across from Botham John's apartment when shots rang out. Brown was still visibly shaken up from the incident when he took the stand to testify on behalf of the prosecution. His murder underscores the reality of the black experience in America. A former athlete turned entrepreneur, Brown lived in constant fear that he could be the next victim of gun violence, either state-sanctioned violence or otherwise. We have more work to do to deal with the constant threats to our community, both from within and without. Brown deserves the same justice he sought to ensure the Jean family, the Dallas County criminal justice system, must mobilize to identify his killers and see that he is held accountable for his murder. Now, other, other skeptics have said, well, how'd they catch him so quick? Well, there were witnesses. There were witnesses who apparently called the police, and they said that the, the uh, uh, suspects fled in a silver four-door sedan. Well, it made sense that if you got a four-hour drive, and I've driven uh, on them Texas um, highways. Um, I actually made record time driving from North Carolina to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. In less than 24 hours, I was probably averaging over 100, 100 miles an hour because I was going to be late. I was in the military. I was on leave, and I waited to the last minute to try to get back when I was supposed to be back. So I, I've been on them long Texas uh, highways where you may not see a gas station for a hundred or so miles. So it makes sense then that they would be able, all they got to do is use the radio. All they got to do, uh, a, put out an APB on a silver sedan with three, three suspects. I don't know what the witnesses told the police, but apparently that's how... They, they could have gotten the first one. I don't know. The second one was at a hospital getting a, a treatment for his gunshot wound. That's where he was apprehended. 
The third one, I don't know. Okay, I don't I don't know. So Lee Merritt is saying that Joshua was in fear for his life, not just from police, but from people in the community. I will submit to you that Joshua is about that life. He is about that life. Now, on Real Life, the radio show last night, which is a program that airs on the Black Talk Radio Network on Tuesday nights, they were talk we were talking about this. And a caller named Hayes called in, shout out to Hayes. Hayes called in and he said he went through Joshua Brown's Instagram photos and he said that he found the typical stuff that young people that's about that life post but that Joshua Brown was posing with stacks of cash. Okay? That seems like, you know, evidence that he was about that life. Or at least he was projecting that image. Again, I tell y'all, y'all just don't know how toxic hip-hop is destroying our people, man. It, it just really is. And so, a lot of people may not know but Joshua had been a victim of gun violence last year. Here's a murder warrant from Dallas County that was uncovered by a reporter for WFAA-TV. Um, what happened is that Joshua and some friends were out at a strip club in Dallas, ran into a group of other people that they know. One of the, uh, one of the individuals had a personal beef with Joshua they went out into the street and fought a literal street fight it is listed here it's literal street fight literal street fight so I guess after the fight was broken up Joshua and his friends was leaving trying to go to their car to leave and the people that they were fighting uh, Morris and Goldston Morris hands Goldston a handgun, Goldston opened fires on Joshua and his friends. Joshua shot in the foot. His friend was killed. Okay? This kind of stuff happens every day. This senseless street violence happens every day in America. Every day. They even rap about it in songs. So why is this so unbelievable that he was murdered by these three individuals doing a street, unlicensed street uh, pharmacy trade confirming the murder warrant that was issued in the person Goldston as far as the media could ascertain had not even been arrested only Morris was in custody um, that's Morris in the big picture for those that's watching the video uh, version of this podcast and in the little picture you see Joshua's friend who was murdered that night in, in November of 2018 this isn't to diminish Joshua Brown he's a human being just cause the uh, system that we live under the system of inequality forces some of us especially black males to engage in street pharmacy to make ends meet does not diminish his character in my eyes it doesn't diminish his worth as a human being okay but it does help to explain that perhaps 
the the police are being truthful here. Again, I don't see no motive for the police to kill him after he testified. Usually that happens before a person testifies. Let's use common sense. Now, other people have been saying that, well, he was supposed to testify in the civil case. I haven't heard about no civil case of the Botham John family, but typically um, what they do, they settle those cases. Da I bet you a dime to a dollar that the Dallas uh, uh, city, the, uh, who's ever in charge of that, the Dallas city attorney is going to recommend that they settle that case because Amber Geiger's been convicted. Okay? And they don't need Joshua's testimony, which was recorded, which is in a court transcript, which is admissible as evidence in a civil trial. They don't they didn't need him to presently be there. So why would they kill why would the Dallas police kill him for that? Were they trying to protect the city or taxpayers from having to pay out yet another multi-million dollar settlement? That don't make sense. That don't make sense. It, it isn't law, uh, lining up with the facts. So, not going to belabor the point. I try to be as concise as possible in bringing you news and the facts as I can ascertain them. I just think that there are a lot of people, both in the mainstream media and in the quote-unquote alternative media, which I'm in, okay, who do a disservice to their readers and their listeners by entertaining uh, uh, speculations of their imaginations, even in the face of facts. Saying these sort of things do not bring us any closer to the truth. And then when we're hit with certain facts and we want to hold on to whatever preconceived narrative that we have imagined happen in our mind it just makes us look silly it makes us look unintelligent it makes us look like we just don't care about the truth because we want it to be the police or we want it to be a white person because we don't want to confront the fact that we killing each other every day in these streets we don't want to confront that this is the soundtrack to our lives brought to us by McDonald's, Subway, and other corporations who underwrite this gangster, violent music that tells N-words to shoot N-words in the face. I'm not here for that. And I can take the ridicule, I can take the laughs because I don't go along with the herd. I've never been that type of person. I don't follow the herd. I've always been an independent thinker. I follow the facts until somebody show me different. So with that said, though, with that said, if you have any information, whether it's a witness, whether it's video, any type of evidence that you have that shows the Dallas Police Department's involvement, Please do share it with the public. Please share it with the public. Send it to me if you're scared to put it out. You got a video of, of, of cops, white people in planes clothes that could be cops pulling up and shooting Mr. Brown. Share that with me. I'll put it out. I ain't scared. Put it out there. 
Otherwise, let's stop with the speculations of the imaginations because we aren't helping anyone. We're causing more problems than what we are solving. With that said, again, if you value independent black journalism, if you value someone or a platform that tries its best to be objective and not engage in baseless conspiracy theories, who is not just trying to feed you a bunch of race porn, like the mainstream media and a lot of YouTubers do, if it got something to do with racism, I'll talk about it. But if it got to do with stuff that's wrong in our community, I'll talk about that too. I practice justice. I don't practice racism. I don't practice confirmation bias. If I just tell you what you want to hear, then you shouldn't trust me on anything. I share uncomfortable truths and uncomfortable facts as I know them until somebody shows me different, which I'm more than willing to admit. I was wrong like I was wrong about saying he was shot in the mouth. With that said, please continue to support the Black Talk Media Project so we can grow not only our platform, but establish local platforms for communities like Dallas, like Charlotte, North Carolina, like Detroit, Michigan. We need localized media more than we need uh, people like Toure, uh, what's her name, Joanne Reed, Al Sharpton. No, we need local voices in the local community bringing us the local news. And then if, if it's of interest to that community, whatever's happening nationally or globally. So please make a tax-deductible donation to the Black Talk Media Project. And again, thanks to those who um, gave us those $333 in the past 48 hours. It's much appreciated. I don't do donor shout-outs because I'm a nonprofit and I, I don't share my donors information. Now they, they have anything to hide or I have anything to hide. I don't share that information, but just know, you know who you are and you're very much appreciated. Peace and blessings to all.